So the Gospel lesson this morning is from Luke. Before I start, let's all just take a deep, relaxing breath. This is a tough scripture. This is one we don't often like to hear. In Luke 12, starting at verse 49, Jesus says, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son, and son against father. Mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. See, this passage of Scripture can be very troubling to Christians. Especially those that have an impression of Jesus as the meek and mild, humble man from Nazareth. See, we forget sometimes that Jesus is God incarnate. We forget sometimes that love sometimes means telling people, what they don't want to hear. We want our Jesus to be one of inclusion despite principle. We want Him to be one of tolerance without judgment even though it is given to Him alone to judge. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon when commenting on this very passage said this, Jesus here reveals a great peculiarity of the gospel which causes men to oppose it. He bears witness that the gospel is an ardent, fervent, flaming thing, a subject for enthusiasm, a theme for intense devotion, a matter which excites men's souls and stirs them to the lowest depths. For this reason, mainly, it arouses hostility. See, Jesus said that I've come to start a fire on the earth. And even more than that, he says, I wish it were blazing right now. He says, I've come to change everything. I've come to turn everything that is upside down, right side up. And he says, how I long for it to be finished. Do you think I came to smooth things over and make everything nice? 
No. He says, I've come to disrupt and to confront. From now on, when you find five people in a household, it will be three against two, two against three, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against bride, and bride against mother-in-law. See, even in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew gives us his perspective on the division of the Gospel. The division that the Gospel tends to generate. Here's his recollection. He says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Spurgeon says about that, if the gospel were a mere propriety of ceremonies a truth which would slumber in the creed or lie entombed in the brain, if it were not a spiritual principle which lays hold upon the innermost nature, rules the emotions and fires the affections, if it were not all of this, it would remain unopposed. But because it is so living and forcible a principle, the powers of evil are in arms to stay its course. And isn't that the way it works? If you want to test Spurgeon's hypothesis, log on to Facebook when you get home and proclaim the gospel in a public forum and sit back and watch the masses rise up against the very proclamation. See, our society, our culture rejects the gospel message. What is good is called bad. What is bad is called good. What is right is called wrong. What is wrong is called right. And these are the signs of of the times. This cultural shift away from the church, away from righteousness, away from the gospel. Luke talks about these signs of the times. Luke 12, beginning in verse 54. Jesus also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, It's going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, 
there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? When you see the clouds coming, you say there's a storm coming. And you'd be right. When the wind comes out of the south, you say this is going to be a hot one. And in the Gulf region, it's also going to be a wet one most of the time. And you're right. So if we can tell the change in the weather based on the signs, how is it that we can't tell the change in the season? that we're in right now spiritually. In Matthew chapter 16, Matthew says, The Pharisees and Sadducees came and to test Jesus, they asked Him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. What is the sign of Jonah that Jesus speaks of? Well, if we back up to Matthew 12, it explains. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. They're always asking for a sign, aren't they? But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so for three days and three nights the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth. See, Jesus might have said, you folks just don't get it. Why should I continue to show you miracles and signs and wonders? He could have said that, but we see the wonderful goodness of our Savior because He continues to do miracle after miracle, sign after sign, wonder after wonder throughout His ministry on the earth. He does it for their benefit to give them the conviction of the truth. And then He gives them, He gives us one sign that is different from all of the other signs. And that is the resurrection of Christ from the dead by His own power. That is what He refers to in the sign of the prophet Jonah. For our conviction, for our proof 
of his being the Messiah. It was by that resurrection that he was declared to be the Son of God with power by the Roman soldier looking up at him on the cross. Such a sign that it surpassed all the rest. His work completed and his victory, his crowning glory. If they will not believe the former signs, the miracles, the wonders, they will believe this. And if this will not convince them, nothing will. And yet the unbelief of our Jewish brothers and sisters found out that they could make it all go away by claiming that his body had been stolen. Why would you do such a thing in the face of such a clear sign? And so we can only say to that, there are none so incurable, so incurably blind as those who have resolved within their hearts not to see. And it is those who just will not see who we are at odds with in this culture. Some of them might be right in our own household. Some of them may have authority over us. They might be our employer or our boss. Some of them may be someone dear to us, a friend or a relative. These people require our love and our prayer. They may be EGRs. Do you know any EGRs? Those with extra grace required? We may have to love them despite their ways, but what we should never do is go along to get along. What we must never do is condone their sin. We must never be their sin enabler. Jesus ate with sinners, but he never participated in their sin. And when it comes right down to our very souls, we can never agree to compromise the truth of the gospel for anything, for anyone, for any reason. Jesus says he wishes that We were ablaze already. And we need to be on fire for the gospel. We need to be fearless and relentless in our spreading of the gospel. As the Apostle Paul said, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of discipline. Ignite that fire this morning. We are few, but we are mighty in the Lord. As Spurgeon said, O lovers of Christ, come and bow at His feet 
and ask him to let his love supply you with fire this morning. Come to the pierced one. Gaze upon the thorn crown. Look into the hole which the soldier's spear has made. Gaze into the nail prints and say unto your soul, No more, my God, I boast no more. Of all the duties I have done, I quit the hopes I held before to trust the merits of thy Son. Now for the love I bear his name, what was my gain, I count my loss. My former pride, I call my shame and nail my glory to his cross. Yes, and I must and will esteem all things but loss for Jesus' sake. Oh, may my soul be found in him and of his righteousness partake. The best obedience of my hands dares not appear before thy throne, but faith can answer thy demands by pleading what my Lord has done. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.